according to Tom Rainer, the majority of Protestant churches in America average 10 or less salvations a year. Let's change the stat. Welcome to GoCast, a podcast designed to inspire and equip pastors and leaders to lead soul-winning churches. We have a mission to go and make disciples. This is GoCast. Hey everyone, welcome to GoCast. I'm your host, Kelly Stickle, and I'm joined today, as always, by my friend and co-host, Tim Tribble. I got a question for you, Tim. Okay. All right. So have you have you ever uh, been in a situation where you're thinking, okay, God's leading me here, but this is there's something we're lacking or something that's missing, and then all of a sudden, and you start second-guessing a little bit, right. and all of a sudden, all, everything just kind of falls into place, or something, there's a major sign that kind of opens a door for what you've been sensing to happen happens. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can think about when we first decided that we were going to move out here to Lethbridge, Alberta, and we felt definitely called, and there was no there was no refuting that, and we ended up going through the process of trying to sell our things, and we had we were living in somebody's basement at the time to help save money, yeah. and they were going to help us do a garage sale, so we had a garage sale on their driveway, and this was a garage sale where people ended up giving you giving us more than what every item was worth. So people would come wow. up. We had a treadmill. They're like. Or like sixty bucks, they're like, you know what? I'm going to give you like two hundred dollars for it, and then and it was kind really? of like, what kind of how does that work? It wasn't even a great treadmill. I don't know, and uh, <laughs> and it was amazing to watch just the generosity that comes out of people where God starts aligning people to help you support you to get to the next level that He wants you to go, and it's just phenomenal to watch. That's awesome. And a lot of people, I mean, that happens to a lot of people, and they call it the open door, you know, theology or whatever. If God closes the door, He's going to open another one. Right. I've never been a big proponent of of that idea because if you're waiting for God to lead and and all of a sudden to everything to open up it doesn't always work that no, way. Sometimes yeah. you have to kick the door down, sometimes it so takes true. an extra level of faith. But in today's conversation with my friend Pastor Sam Picken of C3 Church in downtown Toronto, which is a remarkable story yeah. and in actuality um, I hadn't met Sam before this conversation, but I keep on hearing about this church in Toronto that is just killing it, like yeah. just doing amazing, amazing things. And when I heard the story, uh, it, it's it's amazing. And one part that stood out to me in the story is is that he's at the point of planting in downtown Toronto. They feel God's calling them to do that, but yeah. they're feeling discouraged and they don't have a worship team. And then all of a sudden they have a conversation and they meet the worship team, you know, <laughs> sitting a table over in a coffee shop or, or he's, you know, he's like, I don't know if the church is ever going to work here. And then he has a conversation with a, with a stranger behind him at a table saying, Hey, you know, would you ever consider coming to a church in downtown Toronto? And the guy goes, I just moved here. I'm looking for a church. And, yeah. and all of a sudden just one sign after another that just encouraged them to get going. And it's amazing to see how Pastor Sam and his wife move into Toronto with eight people. Started this just church, eight. just eight people. And a few years later, the church is almost 2,000 people. They just planted another campus in September, yeah. last September, and they are doing amazing. And you are going to love this conversation with Pastor Sam Pickens. So let's go to it now. Well, hey, Sam, welcome to GoCast. It's so great to have you on the program great to be here. Thank you very much. Now, I'm just going to say right up front, this is the first time you and I have met. I've heard so much about you and your your church. It's such a pleasure uh, to, to finally meet you and to talk like this. This is going to be great. Yeah, no, it is. It's true. Uh, and even we nearly got distracted by not even recording this. We started chatting and just talking about life and talking shop and it's awesome. I know I've got a lot of questions for you and it looks like you're doing such an incredible job. Well, and same with you. You got lots going on. So tell us about about, about yourself and how you got started in ministry Man, how, and how you got to, to Canada. 
Yeah, so I grew up in a Christian home, but I kind of lost my way uh, in the late uh, in my late teens. And then when I was eighteen, I uh, graduated high school and wanted to kind of get back right again, and found this uh, church in Sydney in Australia called C Three. Yeah, and I didn't know much about it at the time, and joined the Bible College, and in that first year that was uh 2003 in that first year of bible college i just felt like church planning was what i wanted to do they were they were unloading a vision of planting churches all around the world i think at the time in c3 there was a little over 200 churches yeah and now around the world there's 650 amazing yeah which is cool and i wanted to be a part of that and then 10 years later the long story short in that time, got married, uh, moved to Calgary, Alberta. So fellow Albertian. That's awesome. Uh, was there for four years with uh, C3 Church in Calgary. Yeah. And we also helped plant C3 Church in Saskatoon. Okay. And uh, then moved to Toronto. And Toronto came up. It was one of those moments where we were, we were praying about where God wanted us in, uh, I think that was back in 2009, and we were in the airport, in Pearson Airport, and it was just one of those Holy Spirit moments where mm. we just knew that we needed to come back and explore it more. And so we did over that next three-year period, just kept traveling back and praying about it, and we knew it was right pretty early on. Yeah, And, and uh, we moved from Calgary to Toronto with a team of six other people, so there was eight of us. Totally. Wow. In 2012, um, and then we started prayer meetings and went to you know uh, some preview services, and then we launched in March of 2013. I wanted a hundred people at the first service, and we had 98. <laughs> it was just a, one of those humbling moments, and then we kind of went down to a core of about 40. Yeah. Then from 40 people, we really started to build from that. And uh, now we're just about to launch our third location. And there's probably somewhere around 1,600 to 2,000 people uh, that are connected with us. That is amazing. That is so good. Uh, it's so exciting to, to hear about that. And I, I love, I love you know, starting with 98 and then, man, we had a core group of 40 because a lot of church planters, we have these big visions, these big ideas that we're going to launch big and stay big. Uh, but really, it is about building that core first and then to see where it's come in, man, just not just over six years that's that is amazing that is god so i i gotta ask okay so why downtown toronto i mean this is this is you know this is a tough city to plant in as well but i mean downtown toronto like what was it about downtown toronto that pulled you yeah you know what we didn't want to um when we first came to toronto we went to all the bible college textbook places that i thought was where you plant like that it was a the convergence of like a highway, like a, like a family demographic neighborhood, some, there would be a business kind of uh, community close by, shopping center close, like just kind of looking for those spots. And then we went around the GTA, we rented a car, my wife and I, and uh, went to where all the notable churches were. And every time we went, we're like, oh, right, I know where they planted here, that makes sense, they're doing awesome. And then 
we were trying to like pick our spot yeah. and the whole day it just was really clunky and we were arguing and it was a horrible day and <laughs> just nothing was right. We took the rental car back and then we were walking. Uh, someone said to us before we w- made the trip that on that trip, they said, I was kind of telling them, I don't know where to go. And they said, just go to the places you like. You like drinking coffee. Just go to some cool coffee shops that you like and see if God speaks to you. So we went along to this coffee shop in downtown Toronto and we're sitting there and it was the first peace we felt for the entire day. And at the same time, crazy intimidation. Like it was like, it was like peace. And we also felt like we can't do this. Like yeah. this is so far beyond us. I feel scared. Like I've never <laughs> felt scared before. I didn't consider myself, you know, your cool urban downtown guy. I grew up in a country town of like 25,000 people that's yep. pretty much all cattle country. And, uh, and that was it. So we kind of, I said to God, I prayed a little prayer, kind of like a Gideon's fleece moment and said, well, if we're going to have a church here, when I invite people, they're going to come. They're going to say yes. So we straight away in that coffee shop, we invited this guy who was sitting across from us and we said, if we come here and plant a church, would you come? Wow. And it wasn't very good strategy. <laughs> and then he was actually from Calgary, which was uh, ironic. And yeah. he said, you kind of looked us both up and down. He said, I've never been to a church before, but you guys seem kind of cool. And yeah, I'd check it out. And so for me, that was good enough. Wow. It was like confirmation. So downtown and then. Honestly, the whole time we didn't know what we were doing. We just like. <laughs> but that's the biggest rush of church planting. I mean, I've, church, I've planted a church as well. And the biggest rush is that, well, that happily terrified feeling where you're excited and terrified all at the same time. Um, and it, there's no rush quite like that. So, I mean, but planting in a big city is intimidating enough. Planting downtown in a big city uh, uh, like that creates a whole bunch of challenges. In particular, man, finding places to have church and venues to have church and you guys in the early the first year how many times did you move you moved like multiple times a lot yeah we we were in 13 different auditoriums in our first year 13 wow 13 and i i just don't know how it happened (laughs) (laughs) people kept coming um that's amazing there's another long story. I'll give you the short version, but we, we found this one that I thought was the one and I negotiated this contract for a long period of time and it fell through five days before we were meant to do our first Sunday there. And it was the flashy one. It was the one that, you know, everybody knew and it was going to be awesome and it got all shut down. And I just collapsed on in this, on this road, like in the middle of this street and this like, um, green space yeah. just cried out to God and said, I don't know how I can, do, how I can do this. And why did this fall through? And I gave up and he said, finally, <laughs> he's just like, he's like, finally, you're like letting me do it. And then, and so from there we went to this crappy uh, elementary school gymnasium where we, where we were setting up everything like the setup church vibe and from the flashy venue to this one. Yeah. And that was where our church grew the most. Wow. This humbling 
God knows better moment. And we stayed there for a few years. And then we moved into the high school that we're at, that one of our campuses is in now. So, t- so tell me, what did you learn about in that journey? I mean, there's, there's a complete reliance surrender on God. I mean, we have all of our ideas, but ultimately it's, it's his church. <laughs> yeah. I learned that. I learned that. Uh, yeah. God knows better, but I also learned that what he wanted to do, his strategy was team. He mm. grow the church through volunteerism, and and if we went to that other place, the workload would have been less. And he taught me that work isn't bad. Wow! I was making every excuse for the team and being like, "Man, we've got to get all the T's crossed, all the I's dotted. I'll do all the work so they don't have to." And it wasn't God's way. God's way was, no, I want people to set up chairs. I want people to set up an auditorium because it gives them something to do. It like it helps their character get developed. And, and it was God's plan all along that, that it had nothing to do with the venue. It was more about that strategy of volunteerism and involvement. That is such a good point. I, I love that. I really do believe that is, that, I mean, that is a God thing. That God is shifting things. He he wants to go uh, away from the spectator sport that that church has been to all hands on deck. Everybody's involved. Uh, that's really when the church grows, and that's when it's at its best. Is when everybody doesn't matter how big or how small the job is, but everyone's pitching in. That's that's amazing. Yeah, giving people something to do. Yeah, give them absolutely. That's awesome. So okay, so fast forward to today. You you've seen explosive growth. You're almost at you know, you're around two thousand people in a weekly attendance from starting and moving 13 times in the first year. This is only six years ago. So this, I mean, this is explosive. That that kind of growth is not supposed to happen in Canada, by the way. I, I'm not sure if you, if you know that, especially in Toronto. Uh, so you have- To qualify, it's more like 13 to 1500 in weekly attendance, but 2000 that are kind of connected. Yeah, well, it, it will be, yeah, it, well, that's okay, okay. <laughs> All right. When you launch your third campus, we'll, we'll watch what happens. But anyway, you, I mean, you've attracted the attention of the local media as well. I mean, there's, there's been uh, media reports on you because of your growth. I mean, people, I, I like the one media report that I saw is like, why are millennials going to this church? So, so tell me, I mean, you have, you have a statement as well about, about planting a, how can this be church? So, I mean, talk, talk about that and what you were, what you envisioned and what you're seeing now. Right. Well, that's from Acts two, where, um, when you did church the way God wanted church done, that onlookers, visitors looked at the church and their statement was, how can this be? They yeah. Perplexed. And so, that was that was that vision of seeing a lot of visitors and that would that's where the growth comes from church only grows through visitors mm-hmm. so if our visitor count goes down um then the opportunity for more people to be added obviously like i mean i'm speaking it's it's pretty elementary but it's true it's very true so, I guess I guess the key is is how to get people in the doors. And when these media articles and media people, which has been amazing that we've we've had it, um, they would ask me, you know, millennials aren't going to church, but it seems to be the opposite in your church. I honestly just think that 
preaching Jesus, presenting Jesus and giving people the opportunity to come and worship and just kind of presenting it like it is and just going through the filter of if I was going to this church, if I wasn't a pastor, would I enjoy it? Would I like going there and yeah. making decisions around that framework means that because I'm 34, so it means that a lot of people that are like me or in our demographic would hopefully enjoy it too. And I don't know, actually, like it's some of that stuff and then, you know, God and the rest and some cool stuff's happened. So, so talk about, let's pull, let's pull on that a little bit. So talk about, you know, attracting visitors and getting visitors into the church. What has been some of the, the most effective uh, tools that you guys have used to to get track, uh, you know, to attract visitors and have them come visit the church? Yeah, I I really like this idea of creating what what I call in-house pride. So if you watch a good movie and it is actually good, um, people will talk about it. So in-house pride is just creating some talking points. And the temptation is to copy what another church has done that looks really great and, and, and there's a few of those things that have worked, but... What we found is that we kind of seek God about what is it that we're going to do that's going to create chatter, that's going to create noise, yeah, and and do some events and some things that will create that in-house pride. So the one of the very first things that we did when we were probably about a hundred people was is we were trying to work out how to do a baptism service, and we're like, how do we get people to talk about church? Um, and we didn't, we couldn't bring water into this venue, and we couldn't do a baptism service in our venue. So what we did is we rented like a yellow school bus, and we said to the church where we had the service, and then we transferred everybody that we could on the school bus, and then we drove down to a local swimming pool and did baptisms in the pool. Oh, cool! So it was just renting a school bus, but it was like when you post the photos of that, and then. And then people are saying, well, what did, how did they do church on the weekend or whatever? It's like, you know, we rented a bus and it was so much fun and we did baptisms. And it's, it's simple, but it, it just meant that people were talking about it. Yeah. So when they talk about it, uh, hopefully visitors are, or friends are asking questions and then they give them the opportunity to say, why don't you come along? That's so good. In-house pride. So are people... And the, alt, the, the opposite to that would be eliminating cringe... cringe factor because people won't talk or the unpredictability of church yeah so like if they're proud if if you if there's a consistency even if it's not that good like consistent worship consistent preaching but like i'm not the best preacher on the planet but but it's consistent and it's trustworthy and reliable then that takes away from cringe cringe factor but if every now and then i do something that they're like unsure if they can bring their friends but you know, eliminating a few of those things. And just, just as a caveat for any pastor that may watch this or any church person that may watch this, I'm not talking about shying away from difficult subjects. So I'm not talking about shying away from money, raising money, or some things that, that sometimes people in church would say causes cringe factor. That's really good. I don't actually subscribe to that because we've, we've seen amazing people glue into church and even great numbers of salvations right in the middle of preaching through finances. So actually that's, that's been that on that topic. 
when we pre- when we preach finances because i've heard pastors say that i'm really glad that you brought that up but we've heard pastors say that too okay well one of the, what are some of the cringe factors and people talk about well if you talk about money or the way that you talk about money actually the sunday that we recorded the most salvations was the sunday that i talked about money right 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 it's, it's like it's like it's it's crazy where you go okay um, and the holy spirit moves in that too so what are some of the cringe factors that you're talking about though uh, I would say unpre- unpredictability or whatever whatever the word is yep. um, for that. Uh, I would say uh, being aware of the political climate. So in Toronto, uh, there there are certain subjects that if I wasn't strategic and tactful with, that I could lose trust. And that's the political cl- climate in Toronto is a lot different than the political tr- climate in Calgary, for instance. So, right. So, yeah. So there, there would be, <laughs> there would be some definitely, definitely, uh, some things there that you would step would be landmines you could step on. Yeah. So as a church planner, you, you winning trust and trust will increase visitors and it will increase giving. Like the more that people, trust the church and trust the organization and that's hard that's hard because you feel like you're you're performing for people sometimes but it's yeah. about that it's just try, trying to do right by god and be a good representative and a good steward other cringe factors would probably be um just some subtle things like you want music to be loud but you don't want it to to crank too hard on people um uh anything in distaste uh, yeah. bad jokes you got to tell jokes all my jokes are bad but they're not necessarily bad jokes <laughs> trying to uh trying to get some of that distaste away but then the, the then the in-house pride stuff is just those talking points so it's things that's very easy to create in-house pride would be um anything around our love toronto which would be social justice stuff yeah. people love that stuff yes and we're not necessarily a social justice church, but we definitely talk about that. We play like a video story of somebody's life change in our church every week. Just gives people like another talking point of great going on. Where the media really blew up for us was when we did that. We did a billboard once. Um, that that's a long story, but it, it just created moments. Uh, something for people to talk about that we were doing, and not necessarily the billboard is the answer. The principle is following what God's asking you to do to try and create some chatter. That's so good. So would you, as, as a team, you and your team, would you, would you meet, review a service and saying, hey, this is this, we created in-house pride here. This is good. Let's celebrate that. We had a cringe factor. This was a little cringy. W- would you review that and, and talk about some of those things? Um, so we have a hits and misses. Uh, like it's like a Google sheet yeah. that goes across to all the departments. We don't have a meeting but there is in that there's like where were the hits in the service where were the misses in the service and it gives us real-time feedback that people would fill out on sunday we probably should do a meeting or something but it but it's normally straight away either over that hits and misses document or over slack we use slack for all our communication yeah and yeah it gives people a quick opportunity to know yeah right so i mean that's great so you're reviewing this so that it's not just what you find cringy but yeah i mean your team's talking about it you're the you know because sometimes we rely a little bit too much our, our as pastors on what we find cringy and what what, what others do and we yeah. not always we're not always on the same page it's the pride of me as well like 
when somebody says, oh, you know, like to create an environment where your team can bring feedback to you, like that's an, that's a humbling experience in and of itself. Yeah. Um, but then when someone says something that I thought was good, but it actually was in a little bit of distaste or it could even be someone I've invited to come in and speak. And, uh, and then there's a part, the first instinct is, well, like, you know, what would you know? Or like the pride in me as a senior pastor. But then straight after that, I'm like, no, listen, like I'm not the sharpest brain here and the, the combination of all of us and everybody's wanting this to win. And so uh, I definitely have to make sure that the the back and forth of feedback is felt amongst our staff. That's so good. That's really good. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I love your focus. And I mean, talking about wins, uh, your website says boldly that, you know, we exist to connect people to God. Your mission is to lead people to follow Jesus as Lord, making disciples who advance his kingdom through the local church. So talk to me about why you're so passionate about the local church reaching the lost. Right. I believe church planting and the local church is the fastest and most effective and best way to see the most fruit in salvation. Yeah. So it doesn't mean that somebody can't get saved in a small group or somebody can't get saved individually or somebody can't get saved in a crusade or a revival thing or something. I just believe that the holistic best, most pointed approach which is what jesus set up and he said he was building he established it is the local church for a number of reasons that it's very rarely that if one person's leading people to christ that they're seeing a handful of people come to christ every week so even just numbers yeah is a lot but then you're not you're not pointing people to you as the savior the church is pointing people to jesus as the savior but also pointing to the body has many parts Mm -hmm. it's through all the different team members, pastoral staff and all the different staff members of the church where these people that get saved, they walk together and grow together and we do it together. And I think the context of our faith in Jesus is relationship. Like if the central word in the Bible is love, love is impossible to outwork by yourself. So when we try and take Christianity away from the context of relationships in the unified body, I think we just miss like 80% of what Christianity is all about. That's so good. That, it's so good. And it really, I mean, Jesus did say go into all the world and make disciples. And he didn't say go into all the world and make converts. So, I, I, I mean, the church is that disciple making machine. I mean, that's his That's his plan. And that's what you're saying. I, I, I really like that. So t tell me how many, how many salvations or baptisms, you know, did C3 Toronto have last year? Um. Right. In the last 12 months, there would have been, I, I think there was somewhere about 1,200. Like, so. Um, wow. In the 12, that wouldn't be the last 12 months. In the last 12 months, there's been close, probably closer to 14 or 1,500. Yeah. I would call them decisions. Yeah. Um, because I personally think that salvation can only be measured in hindsight. Yeah. Um, like, there's a decision for Christ, but hands going up, you never know. And right. so um, at risk of getting into silly the theology. No, I, I'm with you. I'm with you all on that. Again, it's about making disciples, right? So, I mean, yeah, decision, that, I like that. That's really good. So, yeah, so there was probably about, 
from August last year to August this year about 1,600 decisions. Wow. And um, baptisms, uh, there was a little over 200 in that same time period. Awesome. Yeah. That is that is really good. So tell me about somebody that made the decision, you know, came in completely unchurched. I mean, is, is a target that you're going after completely unchurched, doesn't have a church background, wouldn't be someone that you'd expect to ever go to the church, came in, made that decision, put their hand up, maybe follow through in baptism, and their life is totally flipped and, and, and miraculously changed. Yeah. Um, well, we've got like there is many examples of people like we, we run a connect group called following Jesus connect group, which is uh, a little, uh, I think it's nine part book. That's basically Christian essentials that a guy from C3 San Diego put together. Yeah. In that connect group, we just see story after story after story of people. And they're even asking like, where do I even start reading in the Bible? So these people do not come from Christian families. They're like picking out the Bible for the first time. And we're leading them through, like, what even a cross is. Like, what's this, like, what's a cross? And why did Jesus do it that way? And, yeah. And it's so cool. It makes you really get your language right. Um, one story that comes to mind just recently, uh, well, it's a one-year-old story now, but uh, they came in, um, it was at Easter, actually, uh, there was some marketing that we had that was called Hope, and this person who wasn't a Christian was in a really bad, toxic, romantic relationship with a guy, and she just said, I'm going to pray to God, and she was walking along the street and prayed to God and said, I just need to, I just need hope, and then picked up our marketing material and came along to Easter, and all the marketing material had on it was hope and then our details. Wow. And she literally saw that as a sign. So she came in with this boyfriend at the time, broke up with him, and then made a decision for Jesus. And that was uh, Easter, two Easters ago. But I tell that story because she then became, um, so we started an internship. So she then started our internship. She now runs a connect group and oversees one of our teams. So in wow, uh, a year and a half, has gone from someone who's never set foot in a church in a toxic, abusive relationship to now being a second-year intern and leading a team and leading connect groups. And she is one of the most powerful stories. And she's got other testimonies, even with finances. Like, she started tithing and, you know, it just breaks the myth that someone has to be a Christian forever to tithe or whatever. Yeah. She started tithing and then she wanted to do the internship, but she knew that like this job, she was like, how am I going to work because the internship's during the week. And then God provided through her serving on our photography team where she learned how to use a camera in our church. She'd never used a camera before. And God provided a job with Metro News to uh, get a contract to shoot for when the Toronto Raptors did the parade. Wow. So, so because she got saved, got baptized, engaged in tithing, engaged in conviction to serve on team and become an intern regardless of knowing where her finances were going to come from, then she learned how to use cameras on team and then God provided her a job as a photojournalist 
And now she's got, I think, three or four different contracts as a photographer. And she didn't take any photos before coming to C3. Wow. That is amazing. That is awesome. The full spectrum. Yeah. That is the full spectrum. That is amazing. But what I love about that story, I mean, there's so much in that story that, that, is, that is amazing about being active in church, about the following through. But what I love about that story, I mean, Holy Spirit was already working in her uh, before she ever stepped foot in, in the church. And often, I mean, we, we take that for granted sometimes that, that, you know, people come in, we don't know that God's been working on them for a long time and he's just looking for a church that's going to give them the opportunity to number one, receive him, but then to disciple them and, and lead them away so that a year and a half later they can see all this kind of stuff. That's amazing. Really? That's so good. She's brought, she's brought a bunch of people since like, and that's, a big key is salvation is like a snowball. Like visitors come in, they they give their lives to Christ, and then they become the best evangelist. They really do. That is so good. So, I mean, with that, what advice would you give to a pastor who says, "Man, I'm I want to see souls saved in my church. Where do I start? What do I do? What advice would you give to a pastor who wants to lead a soul winning church?" Yeah, um, I would I would say begin praying mm -hmm. for for it um do salvation altar calls every sunday even if no one responds yeah i i just think just by doing it giving people the opportunity every sunday even if no one responds don't let the congregation see any sense of discouragement or anything you're acting in faith yeah i would say um to try and find someone in the congregation who is relatively new to church, not necessarily surrounded in like a Christian bubble and just ask them who are their friends and like, and then, uh, and then uh, maybe another idea, which is this idea of fishing pools. So I think weddings are a great fishing pool right? Um, and parties and stuff. So, Get like a couple of people that you trust that are really good at conversation and really hospitable and go along to different parties with intention and, and weddings and different events with intention. So, um, so being a wedding crasher, that's, that's, that's your, uh, <laughs> yeah, but, well, Jesus did it. So I mean, that's how he started his ministry. So <laughs> yeah, it was like, um, I used so I went to a couple of parties once um, that like a Saturday afternoon, and I just simply said to the person hosting, I said, "Would you mind if I say grace for the food um, at the party?" And that was advice given to me from another pastor, just so that you are identified in that social setting as a church guy. That's cool, and then it just opens up potential conversations after because. Most people would hear my Aussie accent and see the way I dress, and then they would say, "Wow, I didn't expect you to be a pastor. You running a church, and that just opens dialogue." Yeah. So it's just getting getting into some of those places where there are people that don't normally go to church and trying to watch God move. That's so good. That's really cool, man. This has been so amazing. Thanks so much uh, for doing this. Is there anything that that I haven't asked that that I should have? Um, I don't know. Not, not that I would, I would add one thing though. If there's anyone watching this video 
and you feel maybe discouraged with how many people are getting saved through your ministry, I would say if it was one in the year, there is zero, there is nothing wrong with that. Like, yeah. of course, like we desire to see fruit increase, but fruit is fruit. And that one person getting saved matters to God all the same as 10,000. And I know that's so good. That's easy for you to say because of the numbers that you were talking about before. But honestly, I get it. I, uh, if you're in it and you're doing it and you're preaching the gospel, come on, we're in this together. Absolutely. That is so good. And, and a lot of people look at, at the numbers that you're getting uh, and, and look at numbers that we're getting and different things and saying, wow, you know, we could never get there. But, I mean, you started at, you know, had 40 in, in you know, the first couple months, right, and, and doing that and started seeing the one at a time come in. We saw the same thing one at a time come in. Man, just keep at it. I, I would agree uh, wholeheartedly. Just keep at it. Keep going. And uh, it's amazing what God can do. Awesome. That's so good. Well, thanks so much, Sam. Where, where can our listeners connect with you online? Uh, C3Toronto.com is our website. Yeah. And then we're on Instagram and everything, so you can check it all out. Awesome. Yeah. That's, that's so good. Well, thanks again so much for this. This has been amazing. It's been awesome to, to meet with you and talk with you, and this has been so great. So thanks for coming on. Awesome. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a, been a blessing. Wow. I love Pastor Sam. I love his heart. And just I love how he just finished that conversation with talking to people, anybody who's been discouraged. And if that's you, yeah. uh, man, uh, accept that prayer. Accept uh, the the encouragement in there and just saying, keep going. If, if it's one soul, one soul matters. Every soul matters. Keep going no matter what. It's so, so good. Yeah. What was what stood up to you? Yeah, other than his accent, of course, just amazing. I <laughs> uh, wish I had an Aussie accent. Yeah, but exactly. uh, when he mentioned like they were trying to build a how can this be type of church, yeah. like scripturally where, they were, where people stood back and just watched the church grow and say, how can this be? And so when he went through the stories about how they got school buses to go and get people baptized at the local pool because they couldn't get water in their facility, um, it just shows the determination in his heart of you know going beyond all measures to make it happen. And that shows just a reliance on God Completely, and saying, man, yeah. we need miracles, we need breakthroughs, and we're not going to stop at, at a roadblock or no. something making it difficult. We're going to make this happen. And I mean, it is really is, they are doing it. They're living it. They're yeah. doing it. How can this be? I encourage you to check him out and uh, their church out, and you're going to learn lots from him as, as you already have. It's amazing. Amazing. Well, Another great conversation with GoCast. How do people connect with us? For sure. Type in uh, GoCast Network or GoCast Podcast into iTunes, YouTube, Spotify, any of those social map uh, areas, and you'll be able to find us. Yes, and you can also continue the conversation on with us on social media, whether that's on Facebook, we're on Instagram, and we'd love to continue the conversation. Next week, we have another episode coming to you with my friend, a conversation with my friend, Pastor Dave Manchessian from Medicine Hat, Alberta, and he's got a great story mm -hmm. with his church, another church turnaround that is remarkable. So here's an excerpt from that conversation. I think, honestly, the biggest thing would be um, my identity is not my church. Mm. 
and uh, and and you know because I mean here here we you know I've lived both I've lived like the the hardships of seeing our church shrink I've seen the hardships of seeing our church like lose key people and close friends but I've also seen our church see some amazing things and the fruit yeah. like just like the stories I told right yeah and and I think for me I wish I would have known better to not place who I am in the success or the the hardships of us as a church. Wow. You know, and, and uh, you know, again, you know, I, I read another thing. It was, and it's, again, so cliche, but I'm not Jesus. I'm not the savior of my church. And uh, and so my identity is solely based in what's been given for me. Yeah. And it's uh, not how well our church is doing or how hard it, it is for us as a church. And so um, that's probably the number one thing is really understanding that it. God says who I am. Looking forward to our conversation next episode with Pastor Dave Mancheshen. Thanks again for joining us at GoCast, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us for this episode of GoCast. We hope you feel inspired and better equipped to take your community for Christ. Make sure to subscribe to receive each new episode as it's released. Let's go and break the stat together.